As first professional writing gigs go, Stephen Sondheim's was enviable and nationally televised. He was 23. The vehicle was Topper, a weekly half-hour situation comedy based on 1926 and 1932 novels by Thorne Smith, a New Yorker writer who was often as inebriated as his Prohibition-era characters. Cary Grant and Constance Bennett starred in a 1937 movie adaptation that spawned two sequels in 1938 and 1941. Just like in the three movies, the CBS TV incarnation, which first ran from 1953 to 1955, involved stuffed shirt banker Cosmo Topper and his haunting by two high-living ghosts who formerly resided in his suburban home, George and Marion Kirby. Exclusive to the TV version was their martini-loving St. Bernard, Neil, also deceased. The novelty was only Topper and the TV audience could see and hear George and Marion constantly screw up his life, as Sondheim put it. This left Cosmo's already high-strung wife, Henrietta, all the more befuddled. Out of 78 Topper episodes produced, the actual number to which Sondheim contributed has been estimated as anywhere from a likely 11 to as many as 29, according to his senior writing partner on the show, who tended to exaggerate. Equally conflicting are stories of how Sondheim's participation even came about, other than it began when his surrogate parents, Dorothy and Oscar Hammerstein, took him to a dinner party. Sondheim chronicler and later producer Craig Zidane reported that the auspicious meal took place at the Bucks County, Pennsylvania home of the Hammerstein's neighbors, the actor Dorothy Stickney and her husband, the actor-playwright-producer Howard Lindsay. Sondheim biographer Merrill Seacrest said dinner was served in a Clinton, New Jersey country house belonging to longtime Hammerstein friends Donald and Pat Klopfer, he of the publishing business and she from a Broadway theater-owning family. Wherever the location, the young Sondheim, fresh from working with Humphrey Bogart on the Amalfi Coast film location of director John Huston's Beat the Devil, was handily rubbing shoulders within a clique of celebrated achievers in their respective fields. This would lead to his first writing job. An only child of absentee working parents of German and Lithuanian Jewish background, Stephen Joshua Sondheim was born March 22, 1930, in New York City, and looked after by the family's household staff in the newly opened luxury San Remo apartment building on Central Park West. We lived very nicely, the adult Sondheim recalled. But at the back of the building, after my father remarried, he moved to Fifth Avenue, still at the back of the building. From him, I get my tendency to pessimism. He always looked at the black side, imagined the worst that could happen. Verbally precocious and able to read from an early age, a practice he picked up by studying old 78 record labels on the family Capehart phonograph player, Sondheim was educated at the private preparatory ethical culture school. One of my showings off was that I would read the New York Times to my first grade class aloud, and I didn't understand half the words I was reading, but I could read it. He took the obligatory two years of piano lessons between ages six and seven, which is what every nice upper-middle-class kid on the Upper West Side did. When company arrived, the pajama-clad Sondheim would be trotted out at the end of the day to play Flight of the Bumblebee, or something like that, and then trotted back to my bedroom. Sondheim said in the 2010 Broadway review Sondheim on Sondheim that his first experience on the piano was when he was very young, and sat next to his father, who couldn't read music, but liked to plunk out show tunes. Stephen would place his hand over his father's and follow along. 
Atypical for the Upper West Side, Hebrew lessons and Sunday school were not part of Stephen's curriculum. As the son of non-observant parents, he was never bar mitzvahed. Also not in the picture was a sense of continuity, a general pattern throughout most of his childhood. His home life became strained in 1940 when Stephen was 10. His father, Herbert Sondheim, a successful dress manufacturer on 7th Avenue, left Stephen's mother, Etta Janet Foxy Sondheim, her maiden name was Fox, for another woman, the Cuban-born Alicia Babet, a manager of fashion promotion at Macy's department store and, according to the adult Stephen, a nice lady. I liked my father a lot, he was a swell fellow, but I didn't see him very often because my mother was bitter about him, said Sondheim, who went many days and weeks and months when I didn't see my own father. 